episode five of IntelliCast, brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. I am your host, Adam Jolly. Joining me, as always, is co-host Brian Lamar. Hi, everybody. Brian, what a great week. We spent a lot of time with each other. Actually, we spent no time with each other last week. That's crazy. It was a whirlwind. I'm glad to be home. I feel like we did not have a weekend. No, not at all. Um, as we jump into that, uh, obviously we're going to be recapping SampleCon today, do a lot of our, our typical research rants, non-research rants, the four Ps. Um, but before we get into that, some housekeeping. Um, last week we got some input from our email address. People started emailing us, which is great. We love the feedback. I love feedback. Um, Intellicast at emi-rs.com is the email address. Please feel free to reach out to us if you have show topic ideas things you like, things you would like to see more of. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, this is not an EMI-exclusive podcast. Actually, we've been working the last week, and, and down at SampleCon has some talks about getting some people on the pod to talk about research things. Um, also, reach out to us on Twitter, EMI underscore research. Um, my personal Twitter, Adam Jolly. And Brian's personal Twitter is... Hey, if you have a rant and you want to submit it, that might get you to the top of the list in terms of guests. Give us an example rant. I love it. Or Mount Rushmore. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, um, so first segment is news and topics. So uh, research news and topics are really just going to recap SampleCon. Brian, your favorite thing about SampleCon was? Well, obviously your presentation was awesome. Oh, we'll talk about that. Oh, my goodness. But I'm going to talk about... That old thing? <laughs> Um, I had two things, actually, on my list. Okay. So, number one, I just love Austin. It was a fun city to have it in. And I I kind of think that the board and the Rachel of SambaCon do a great job of organizing this. It's, it's awesome to have the ability to sit there and talk about sample with other experts for two, two three days. That's what I love. And then I love the hot topic session. The, um, when there was a panel and people talking about the biggest challenges in sample, I love the how do we improve response rates and how do you improve the respondent experience and let's talk about data quality. I hope that we all get back to our normal jobs and try to fix all this collectively. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen when you go to a conference, but I loved it. So those are the three things. I loved Austin. I loved the hot topic. I liked your presentation. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, things things I really liked. I. You know, yes, yes, we sponsored the scavenger hunt, but even if we weren't sponsoring it, I think a scavenger hunt to kick off a show, and it was like this last year in New Orleans, it was like this this year in Austin, um, it's just such a fun way to meet the people that are on your team, um, learn more about what people are doing with samples, see what type of personalities are out there, and then um, and also see the city that you're in. It was weird in Austin this year because... We we're supposed to be downtown. Instead, we we're out in Barton Creek. Is that near Mexico? It felt like it. Yeah. Um, we were about 25 minutes, 30 <laughs> minutes away from the city. Um, yeah. It was at least a $35 uh, Uber ride <laughs> anytime. Uh, I had to go downtown twice um, for other meetings, but it was, um, it's just, it is a really cool city. Like, I, I immediately looked when I got home to see what the cost of living increase was in Austin to see, like, <laughs> You know, could I swing this someday? It's only 4%. It's not that bad. We could, we could pull that off. I loved Austin. I've never been. So it's just a cool city like you'd expect it to be and um, different than the rest of Texas that I've seen. It's got a lot of youth and energy and with the capital there and a huge university and tech center. It's just got a lot going for it. It's really cool. Yeah, it got me thinking also. So, you know, most people 
it's a unique ploy, marketing ploy by the city. So you have one of the largest public universities in the country there. They have, what, 55,000, 60,000 undergrad. It's up there with Ohio State is one of the largest. Yep. And somehow they're able to keep people there. And I start to think, like, as it, this is not market research related, but I think business in general type and probably could do some market research on there is, is there a way for universities to start working with cities to develop things that keep their educated in the city where they went to school? So typically, like, it feels like everyone that I talk to down there, whether they're, you know, that weren't at the conference, like, what brought you down here? And yep. they would say, well, I, uh, you know, I came, I went to school at UT. Yep. Um, I was studying something that they're not even doing now. And I just stayed. I started to love the city. I wanted to stay. So Austin has one of the highest edu like college educated mm -hmm. percentages in the country. And it starts to make me think about Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati, primarily us living in Cincinnati. We know that it's very much a high school centric city. Yep. But if there were ways for universities, there's so many universities around here. So you've got University of Cincinnati, Xavier, Northern Kentucky. Those are the immediates. Then Mount St. Joe's and Thomas More, obviously. And then perimeter, you know, Wright State, Dayton. Um, you can go down to Kentucky, Louisville, and all those. You know, within an hour and a half drive, those type of universities. Like, yep. how do you keep people there? Because I don't think that's something that Columbus is doing. That's what it got brought me back to Ohio State. Is that something Columbus is doing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, Cincinnati should be able to retain its talent because, you know, we have a lot of big companies here, just like Procter and Gamble and Kroger, um, Centos. There are a lot of opportunities here if you grew up here. In addition, we have a lot of market research jobs here. Right. Cincinnati's kind of a hub of that. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people want to get out of the Midwest and Cincinnati. Right. And I would expect maybe that's the same in Austin. So they're, they're clearly just doing the something. nice or whatever. Yeah. Maybe you want to get out of Austin. Maybe that's something. Maybe it's just perception or maybe they're just doing better than keeping the talent in town. Well, yeah. And the, the counterpoint would be Boston, right? <laughs> yeah. So Boston has more universities than per capita than any other city. And most of them go and stay there. And either you start a consultancy, you work for a consultancy, something. You, I saw where Austin, or Boston was named like number one uh, for startups yep. uh, in the country. And it's, you know, they keep the talent there. Anyway, this is off topic. Yeah. But still, IntelliCast, we'll talk about intelligent things, right? Let's keep it going. Um, other SampleCon rumblings. Um, my favorite, my favorite thing that I went to was, um, I kind of liked that investor talk. It was weird. I loved it. But it was really fascinating to me because we've talked here before about how sometimes in market research, we lose track of the money. We lose track of what we're, what are we doing this for? And that got back to it. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, first of all, for those that were not at SampleCon, they had a group of investors there. I think there was five of them that um, invested in all kinds, types of industries. And some of them had invested in the market research industry. So they're pretty knowledgeable about our industry. And I loved it because they talked a little bit about our industry is ripe for disruption, which is interesting. So, and that and that means it's also ripe for investment. And they also kind of looked at companies maybe that were more technology-driven as investment opportunities. Um, I, th I just think it was fascinating to kind of, kind of get that viewpoint, an outside viewpoint, because I live, breathe, and think sample all day long, every day. Those people mm -hmm. don't. They think of outside of sample, outside of market research. And so to get their viewpoint to me was really interesting. Uh, what did you think about Equal Man? 
Equal Man. I was not there for Equal Man, unfortunately. Ah, oh, you missed Equal Man. That's I right. You were there on Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, Eric Coleman, who, um, how would you describe him? Kind of a social media, more like an impact. I would describe him as like a curator of impact. Change agents. Um, he just talked, he, he had this thing we called what stamp. So it was like different ways to, um, measure people, like your reactions, what, just what your impact is on the world, like for you or through social media and things like that. Um, it was fascinating. It, it was very charismatic and like very engaging. The market research aspect of it was a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, like it was the dots weren't as easy to connect. Um, but it's still, it's better than. Um, there were a lot of panels, and I thought yeah. it was better than a panel. I, at some point, like I love panels yep. when they are breaking up solo speakers, but this was a solo speaker breaking up the panels. Right, I, I thought it was really great. Yeah, good. Um, do you want to talk about how great my presentation was? One, yeah, like, let's talk about it. Like thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we had a full room. A full room. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts out the best possible way and that they it's five minutes before my presentation starts and they don't have my presentation and no one is there to tell me so like it's just not there and then a, a man came in and said we don't have your presentation you're not the 115 are you and i said no i'm the 1115 that's what, what time it is was that man producer brian he had a lot of the same characteristics as producer brian very much like um no ownership no accountability that type thing um <laughs> That's going to be stressful, though, overall, right? Hey, I get it. So, um, luckily, we had Jason Enderhees from EMI there. He ran up to our room. We bunked together. It was cool. Uh, grabbed my laptop, put it on, and we did the first, I want to say, 15 minutes of my presentation completely blocking the camera <laughs> where they were recording us. I was we unaware of any of this. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm cool as a cucumber. Well, you were you were <laughs> speaking to the people in the room. Yeah. It's not about me. Right. It's about the people in the room, not my problems. Right. They don't care. I can't find my presentation or my laptop. They just want to hear the goods. Uh, <laughs> but in general, like I, um, I'm happy that when I came in, I was also, um, I knew that it was a collaboration lab, but I didn't under, I didn't know or foresee how much interaction we can get. Right. Uh, so I fully prepared to preach for 45 minutes. Right. But I'm so glad that I didn't have to. You know, like there was, um, it helps that I knew people in the room. So I was able to call out Brad France, who I owe, I'm sure I owe money to now for how much I called on him and like used him as an example. Uh, Brad from Burke, um, Alex Mangan from OP4G. I called on her a lot. Bouvon from, um, Maru. I called on a ton. Um, and then it was great that, you know, in the second row in front of me were the two Dell folks. Yeah. Uh, they Steve were, and Jackie um, that. They were very talkative and interested in that presentation. Well, yeah, because if, if you don't have a buyer in the room, then it's just yeah. a bunch of sample suppliers complaining and talking yeah. about like how things are. But I, I, the thing that I'm most proud of, without anything, I'm most proud of is that um, we started to talk about solutions at the end. Yep. And people started to go at solutions, not just nitpick solutions, but... That is my number one pet peeve. It's not my rant today, but like my number one pet peeve is that we go to these things and we talk about normally with SampleCon, we talk about here's all the problems with sample and we never get to and how we fix that is. We never say, and this is how we get rid of that problem and how we're not talking about this next year. Yep. Because 
quite honestly, there was the one segment at, at the end. I think you missed this. Um, one of the investors showed up on Friday and said, um, we're going to do a time capsule. Write down a prediction 24 months from now, which you see in sample. And then open it up, and the person that's closest gets like twenty five hundred dollars or oh, something. Wow. Maybe he said twenty five thousand. I don't know. He said no. He said twenty five hundred dollars. Twenty five million dollars. Twenty five billion dollars. And you could easily put that nothing's going to change. We're just going to still be complaining about bots and hashing and data quality and yeah. um, incentives and paper click, paper click, uh, complete, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But. Um, I felt like we started to get somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and I hope it keeps going. I hope that that's not the last time we talk about it. And even having people come up at the end and say, not so much that they wanted to buy or talk, but they wanted to talk more and start to partner and figure out more solutions together. That is, uh, that's huge. And I think that's how somewhere along the line, you put aside the revenue part and you try to make the industry better. So then together we can all make more money. Um, like I said last week, I don't think quality should be the differentiator should be the, the, um, the selling point, for yeah. example, it should be the table stakes that we go into. Yep, and I guess for more information, email you if you want. To, if you want to see the elephant on a slide, yes, email Adam Jolly. Yes, um, we do have the speech uh, download. We can send that to you. You can download it, the audio and the presentation. Um, it'll be up later this week, so probably after this pod. But follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research and, and we'll be able to hook you up. Or you can just email Intellicast at EMI rscom so, that's the end of news. Yep. We go now into the research round of the week, and we are flipping the table. <laughs> I'm going to do the research round of the week this week. Um, so, to where my inspiration for the research round of the week comes from is we were in the room at SampleCon. There was a panel going, and uh, led by many from Protege, who I thought did a great job as well. Yes. And uh, I decided to talk about, uh, I raised my hand. Because I had finally, we started to get, I thought, to get into the complaining stage of the conversation. I, I might have started that complaining stage by my comment about five minutes earlier. You said that mobile will never change unless we say no, right? Yeah, I said. I'm sick of talking about mobile. That's I said, I'm tired of talking about mobile, and until clients say no, it's not going to change. Right. And that, that started the negativity. Right. So then from there, we talked about, um, we talked about non-competes. Yep. We talked about mobile, and then we talked about – what was the other point? We talked about uh, retention of talent and non-competes. Right. We talked about – And pay-per-click, pay-per-complete, right? That type of stage. Yep. So um, this sets up my research around the week, and I think where I go back to – oh, is APIs and DIY type tools. Yep. What I get back to is that we have a history – of suppliers and market research of making very bad business decisions and flooding the market with solutions to problems without fully thinking about what the repercussions are. My point of that goes to first with mobile. When mobile became a solution to start doing market research, we began to start up very narcissistically rather than thinking about what's best for the respondents. Sample companies started starting mobile only panels, app based panels. And for two years, we set ourselves behind on this, where we stand now, where it's really about what's the best application for the respondent to take the surveys, but more so buy our sample. Here's a sample panel. Not even think about how that might differ with the research results, how skewed that might make things are. We thought about this is an opportunity to make money. We flooded the market and we screwed up 
We set ourselves back two years because we wanted to have mobile other panels. Next problem is API networks and going with this um, more automated type tool. I believe there is room for automation. I believe there is room for API. I believe you do those things so that you can save resources and time and apply it in other places, such as building data quality, mm -hmm. finding richer insights. We have yet to apply the benefits of automation and API yet into our industry. And again, that's a horrible business decision. We flooded the market with automation. We flooded the market with API. And instead of improving the industry, we've made ourselves commodities as sample suppliers. And for the most part, commoditized market research industry as a whole. That's the second bad decision. The third bad decision that we've made is that this is a longer rant. I apologize, but I'm really feeling it right now. <laughs> Um, we are an industry that, yes, is based on statistics, it's based on a science, but it's really knowledge is our number one asset in this industry. And the retention of people's knowledge has become a hot topic as more mergers and more collaborations start to take place and non-competes. And we are making very poor business decisions by hoarding the information that somebody might have and keeping them away from going to other places in the industry. While it protects one current business, it also hurts our entire industry by hoarding that information and with these non-competes and allowing them to go to other places. That being said, I'm a capitalistic person. I believe businesses can protect themselves. There can be limits to non-competes. There can be do not work with any of the current clients you have. There can be uh, you know, maybe shorter gaps in how long you're allowed to go work for another type company. Maybe there are exclusion lists. You can't go to three or four places, but to have a total broad exclusion um, seems like just another bad business decision by our industry where we continue to go further and further down the road into this very narcissistic business model of what's in it for us rather than what's best for both the industry and the consumer in the brand. I'm not even sure how to respond to that. <laughs> Ooh, take a breath. That's yeah. impressive. It's similar to the rant I had a few weeks ago when I talked about how only you took it much more deeper and better is um, how there's not an industry solution to data quality. Um, you know, everybody's building their own thing and we're not sharing ideas and technology. Um, but kind of to your point, that's not really the problem. Those are just solutions to the problem. Yeah. We're recruiting maybe the wrong type of people or wrong type of sources. Yeah. Or maybe there is not an incentive for panel companies to clean up their panel. Sure. I agree. But that's impressive. I'd love to hear feedback on that. Yeah, please do. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. I love to be told I'm pretty. Uh, Brian, what's next? Hey, I get to interview you, apparently. Me? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We're doing the four Ps, which um, for first-time listeners, that's uh, four questions. And this week, we're going to interview Adam Jolly. Typically, he's the one doing the interviewing. Yeah. But the four Ps are present, place, purpose, and person. So we kind of did a little flip the script on the marketing components, but... Um, I'm going to ask you four questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First one's present. And this is uh, one of my favorite questions. We do this all the time here internally at EMI. What's the best birthday present you've ever received? Um, I wasn't sure what I was going to say. And really, as we do this, I start to get other people's. And like people say, like, I got a perfect day. I got a sunny day. What's yours? Mm -hmm. um, I got this. Uh, uh, Amy's was that she got married. Uh, mm -hmm. My best birthday present, though, I am three years and 12 hours apart from my older sister. So birthdays were kind of... Um, yeah, shared. Yeah. It wasn't, which is, if you're going to do everything half, you're not doing anything at all. Um, so they weren't like the best times, but I, when I was seven, I received a um, the Ghostbusters car. 
<laughs> it was called like the Ecto two, I believe. Um, it was awesome. It had like a little like grappling hook on the bottom, and I also got two guns, water guns that had invisible ink that you could shoot out with them. And I remember just shooting my sister a lot on my birthday. I don't know why, but that stands out as the best birthday present I've ever gotten. You showed her. Happy yeah. birthday, sister. Suck it. All right, that's present number two. That's interesting, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. Place. What place or day is your ideal setting or happiest place? This is easy. Um, so my father and his father before him and a lot of my aunts and uncles were all in the horse racing industry. And I grew up in Kentucky um, and grew up on a lot of horse farms. So to me, my ideal place, like my happiest moment is about um, 20 minutes before post time on the first Saturday in May every single year um, when they do my Kentucky home. Um, for the Kentucky Derby. Um, I cry every single year, um, but it's also my happiest moment because usually usually I'm there. I've been to a lot of derbies um, or I'm at my house and I have a adult beverage in my hand. It's brown usually. Uh, <laughs> with you know, I, I'm not afraid of a mint julep, but hearing that song and the band playing and everyone kind of swaying and singing, like to me that is my happiest moment every single year. I know exactly what I'm doing at probably 6 o'clock on yep. the first Saturday of May. That's awesome. I have shed more than a, one tear yeah. to my old Kentucky home. So, listeners, go out there and Google it. It's a beautiful song, especially if you're from Kentucky. That's, yeah, that's a good story. Hey, thanks. Um, number three, purpose. Who has driven you to success? Who would who would you thank in an acceptance speech to get you where you are today? Um, so when I when I first came up with like this list, I am one of my negatives as a person oh boy. that I need to grow and get better at is that I'm a vengeful person and that I think not so much of who has helped me get to a place, but who tried to stop me from getting to places. Yeah. That's all you're driven. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like when I think about this, my first thing is I start thinking about the people that I'm trying to prove wrong, but I think it could go both ways and that I, people that got me to where I am. So obviously my parents were huge in that, but um, the first time I ever felt smart was um, my senior year of high school at a, a AP English teacher named uh, Mr. Stroka. And he was the first person that talked to me about um, dyslexia and just my writing style and stuff and how it was, there was something missing. Um, and he was the first time I ever felt smart about something. Um, going into college, it was um, Dr. Aaron Levin at North Kentucky University. I was kind of riding by on things, and he was the first person that made me think that I had something in me that was worth it and that I was worth more than just my tuition at the university. And then subsequently, he was the person that got me this job here. Um, and without that, without introducing me to EMI, not to, like this isn't like a blow smoke up EMI thing, but like without introducing me to EMI, I don't meet my wife. I don't have my children. I don't have my lifestyle. I'm not the person I am. I don't have this podcast. I don't have you guys. Like it was like a lot of balls kept rolling because of Dr. Levin. Um, so he's the other person. And, um, and I think that's it. Just those two people. That's, that's amazing. Those are good stories. Hey, thanks. And then obviously, obviously the current Mrs. Jolly, um, who, who does she listen to this? The current Mrs. Jolly listens to every single one. Um, but she is somebody like it is, it's very much, I always think of my wife as my wife and then like a couple steps down as the mother of my children because that she'll always be that to me before, before she's been a mom. And I think so many times 
we get caught up. This is off topic, but like so many times we get caught up when you get married. Like what is the, the sum of your marriage rather than the actual marriage, you know, the kids, the lifestyle, the house, the friends you have and stuff like that. When really it all goes back to without the wife. So, um, she humbles me. She keeps me on track. And for a lot of times, um, I think everyone in their lives needs someone that will tell them that they're stupid. Um, or someone will tell them that, Hey, you're being an idiot right now. And if you don't have somebody in your life like that, there are other people that are doing it behind your back, and she does it right to my face, and I appreciate that. That's awesome. And that's a good transition to question four, which is our Mount Rushmore question. And speaking of your wife, give me your Mount Rushmore of love songs. I feel like this is going to be good because you're kind of a romantic dude. Oh, thank you. Um, The first one is not romantic at all. It's the Pina Colada song. Uh, and yeah. why I say that yeah. is because it is one of the greatest stories in a song that you could ever imagine. It's crazy. You love He loves his wife, but hey, things happen. And he starts looking for someone else. And he finds out the person he's looking for has been in front of him all along. And you're just supposed to forget the infidelity right. and the adultery he was fully willing to take a, a part of. And she was too. Because she was too. <laughs> it was like two wrongs do make a right. Let's go make love by the dunes. <laughs> Right? That's exactly. great. Uh, so that was number one. Number two is uh, Who's Loving You by the Jackson 5. I uh, love that song. Um, it's my. It's the only Michael Jackson song for me. Uh, number three is uh, Try a Little Tenderness by Otis Redding. Um, I'm a huge Otis Redding guy. It's really weird because um, I don't know anyone under the age of 60 that is. But I listen to a ton of Otis Redding. That's my number one uh, for him. And then uh, last one is Maybe I'm a Mace by Wings, Paul McCartney. Um was almost my wedding song. And then my wife thought it was too focused on her. So it was some like stupid Jason Mraz song. But that was almost our wedding song. So that's my um, Mount Rushmore of love songs. That's interesting. First of all, your list is trash. No, you said it. No. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's very good. Uh, surprised to see no Celine Dion there. I thought we'd have a little Celine Dion, the little uh, Canadian for no. producer Brian. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> that I should have said that. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, good job. Thanks. What's yours? Like Mount Rushmore, I haven't even thought about it. I know we have we're doing an internal. Yeah, oh, you're saving thought it. About it. Yeah, I'm saving it. Okay, that's yeah. fine. All right. Uh, so that ends the four P's. The interview is me. I'm so glad we got that out of the way in episode five. <laughs> uh, so now the thirty second clock, the non research rant of the week goes to Brian Lamar. Brian, what's your non research rant of the week? This is topical, and it will be topical if you're listening anytime in the next two weeks. And uh, I hope I don't get offensive here, but. This is the Olympic coverage. Yeah. All right, so... Pyeongchang. Everybody's into uh, Pyeongchang. Chung. And it's in Asia, so it is impossible, nearly impossible, to watch live coverage of the Olympics, which I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. And you have to watch it at, like, 9.30 at night or 6 a.m. or sometime in between. And not only that, if you look at the Olympic calendar for the next three Olympics, they're also in Asia. I don't know who chose South Korea, followed by Japan, followed by China, but I feel like they were paying off these Olympic Committee people much more so than we anticipated. The U.S. dollar is driving a lot of these events. Like the figure skating is at like, you know, 9 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, which is, I don't know, 9 a.m. in in South Korea. So it's not even convenient for them, but it's really horribly convenient for an avid sports fan and an avid sleeper that tries to be in bed by 9.30. I'm just tired of the time change. I like to watch events live. How have we not figured this out? Yeah, and I think it's very important that we go back to your rant and say that (laughs) you were not ranting against the Asian culture. 
I hope no, you're not. I guess you're not. you're ranting against the clock. Yeah, the time zones. It's it, uh, clocks are bogus. I get it. If the U.S. is going to spend um, how many billions of dollars is NBC spending on this, and they're still in, in China and Japan and in South Korea, let's get it in L.A. I'll take London. Rio was okay. That was not bad. Uh, but yeah. anyway. I love it. Uh, that concludes the non-research rant of the week. Thank you, Brian, uh, for your problematic stance on clocks and the Asian culture. <laughs> um, that does it for episode five of the IntelliCast podcast. Um, keep in mind that on February 27th and 28th, we will be at Quirks East in Brooklyn with Kelly Clayton. Um, after that, we will be at the March 6th through 9th. We'll be at Qualtrics in Salt Lake City. Um, please reach out to us at intelecast at emi-rs.com if you'd like to learn more about those appearances or just talk more about the podcast. We appreciate it. And with that, have a great week. Bye, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.